Welcome to the Creating Wealth and Wellness podcast. Your hosts, Amanda Kingsley and Tara Misseldine, team up to take you on a journey where freedom is cultivated through personal development, where women connect to fuel their futures, and where wealth is created as a byproduct of hey, being Hey friends, and welcome well. back to the Creating Wealth and Wellness podcast. Today, it is just going to be me, Tara Misseldine, and a phenomenal guest. Um, we decided for me to fly sends Amanda Kingsley today so that we could keep things a little bit more simple, and because I am a super fan of the person that I'm interviewing today, so I really wanted to take this one um, so that I could be selfish with asking my questions. <laughs> um, but just so that I can tell you who this amazing woman is. Andrea Owen uh, is an author, mentor, and certified life coach who helps high-achieving women let go of perfectionism, control, and isolation, and choose courage and confidence instead. She's helped thousands of women manage their inner critic to create loving connections and live their most kick-ass life. She's the proud author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, BS-Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass and Live the Life You Deserve, and How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back From Happiness. I'm in the middle of reading this one right now, and I can't wait to talk to her about it more. When Andrea is not juggling her full coaching practice or hosting retreats, she's busy competing in triathlons, chasing her 10-year-old son and 8-year-old daughter, or making out with her husband, Jason. <laughs> she's also a retired roller derby player, having skated under the name Veronica Vane. To learn more about Andrea after you hear this interview, check out yourkickasslife.com and join the fun and wisdom over on Facebook at Your Kickass Life. Hi, Andrea. Are you there? I am here. Hi, Tara. Hi. I'm so happy to have you with me today. I, you were like one of my very top three of who I wanted to interview this year on the podcast. This is the Creating Wealth and Wellness podcast. We are a group of women that, and some men, I might, I might admit, um, that really want to make the most out of life and realize that usually wealth is a byproduct of being well. And I feel like your message really lives into that for so many of us. Um, so, we were just chatting offline a little bit that we're both dealing with some snow right now. So mm -hmm. just a little. <laughs> if our families interrupt our podcast, hey, this is the glorious reality of life, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. So one, I mean, you have been a big part of my January at the very least, and I've followed your journey for several years. And I think you're just, you're, you are badass. I mean, you're a product of your product, my dear. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, um, it hasn't been easy. I mean, I haven't always been this badass, but <laughs> I've definitely done the work and, you know, walk my talk because sometimes I'm kicking and screaming going in, but I do it anyway. And I think that it really, it shows that's for sure. Yeah, it really does. And I, I assume that we will talk a lot about your brand new book. It just came out this year and we're recording still in the middle of January. Um, and this, this book really just, just landed, didn't it? January 2nd. Yep, it's yeah, it's birthday was January 2nd. Yeah, amazing. So I I love this book. I have to admit, I'm a slow reader, so I'm not all the way through it, but I do, and just for everybody listening, this book is How Not to Feel Like Shit. <laughs> yeah, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the 14 habits that, that lead into that. Um, and what I find the most amazing is that I, I actually don't know that I feel like shit half the time. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, so that's, that's sure what I hear from a lot of people. I haven't into that one yet. Um, but every single one that I have read through, and I, I read through probably about half of the habits so far, I resonate very strongly with some and mildly with the rest. So um, how, do you find that to be true? I mean, do most yes. 
do most women struggle with all of these in some most way? Most women struggle with most of them. Um, I would say all women struggle with at least a couple. And I was almost a little worried about the title. And, and the reason, let me just quick story, like how the book got its title yeah, is like, because I would talk about these habits. And for those people who have no idea what they all just throw out a few. So it's perfectionism, overachieving, control, numbing out, uh, self-sabotage, people-pleasing, and approval-seeking. And I would, you know, all of my clients struggled in those areas. And so the, the kind of ironic thing is, is that these work for us for a while. You know, I attribute perfectionism and control and overachieving to being able to graduate with honors from college and start and sustain a business. But we get and to a point where write we, a couple books with kids and write a couple <laughs> books, have a couple kids. Right. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Exactly. We get to um, and then I, you know, you, you kind of like cross that line over into just the crazy train where it starts to affect your life negatively. And this starts to make you feel like shit. And that's what I kept saying over and over again to clients and in classes and in lectures. And so that's how the book got its title. But, but no, this is not a book for people who, um, always, oh, you know, this isn't about depression or anything like that. So just want to clarify. Yeah. And it's really not. And I, I can definitely speak to that. I mean, it's coming from the perspective of we are super high achieving people most of the time. And it's usually one of these or a combination, you know, like a cocktail of some of these things that happens when we start getting in our own way. And exactly. You know, we, I have noticed this like last year was a really difficult year for me and my family. And I've just noticed that, um, I, I really do just get in my own way and then I can't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. And it's usually because of at least some of these habits. And what another thing that I really occurred to me while I was reading the book is that I often will sort of medicate once I realize that one of the habits has really like gotten me on that crazy train like you're talking about. Many times the solution seems to me like another one of the habits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it doesn't, yes, they all overlap. <laughs> it doesn't really resolve anything. Um, but at the same time, they're so default for so many of us, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So what, what actually made you write the book? I know you, you are a life coach. You were dealing with these a lot. But how do you think that, okay, let me actually ask a different question then. I know why you wrote the book. Many of us will know because it had to be written. But what do you hope that people will get out of this book? That's a great question because I don't, what, what I find in some self-help books is, and this is, you know, I, I, I love self-help books. Trust me. I have like a huge, <laughs> huge bookshelf full of them, but some of them I felt like I was doing life wrong, you know, when I read them mm. and I didn't want this book to be like that. I didn't want it to be like, here, Tara, here's the 14 things you're doing wrong in your life. You need to change that and you will be fixed. <laughs> I didn't want to write a book like that. And I felt like, I want the win to be that, not that we quit doing these at all, because I still do some of them. Like I talk about that in the book, but what I want I want people to know and walk away with is the awareness that they know when they're in it. Like when they are trying to use, like you were saying, like one habit to fix another so that they can choose different behaviors to, that feel better to the women that they are. And that the, the book is full of solutions and the very last chapter is, is an entire solution in and of itself about around values. And I just, I know that for me, my win 
again, like I don't, I haven't eradicated negative self-talk from my life. I just don't know anyone that ever has. I still, you know, go on social media and find myself comparing my life to, or business to stories that I'm making up about other people's lives and businesses. But the, the, the really awesome thing now is that I catch it within minutes. Whereas before I used to let it just completely take me down days and days. And then I would make decisions from that place that feels like shit. Like nobody yeah, wants yeah. to do that. Really? So my hope is that it's just very, it's just massive awareness and that people catch themselves in it quickly. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that. And this feeds into one of your really core message of the mess being the message. And that is that these things are always going to be present. It doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to be toxic or harmful or, um, you know, debilitating. So I, I love that you actually bring up in many of these chapters that I've read so far that in in a balanced way or when we are using some of these um some of these habits functionally, they can actually serve us. And yeah. they don't have to take us down, but it's only when they start to like really spiral or, you know, become that sabotage thing that they and I think a lot of that stems from not being aware that it's happening and sort totally. of being in that um, like autopilot mode. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, for, for many of us, we, this is what we know. This is how we cope. And as women, you know, who are like, let's be honest, like our culture brings us up to be fundamentally insecure. So of course we're going to lean on perfectionism. Of course we're going to lean on overachieving and people pleasing and approval seeking because we are all trying to be successful and happy and liked and all of these things that are part of life. But again, it's like, when does, when do you cross the line over into that affecting your life negatively and it being out of alignment with the person that you actually want to be? Yeah. Yeah. So would you, I mean, I, one of the things that I love the most about you is your willingness to be vulnerable in all of sort of the good, bad, and ugly of life. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is like, it can be used as a people pleasing thing when it becomes like, um, you know, a gossipy thing, but I don't sense that that's ever the way that I've received it from you. Um, like even I, I'm a frequent listener of your podcast and you have the series about recovery and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and in the podcast, I heard you um, mention that you did actually have a crisis in the middle of writing this book. Mm -hmm. And I, I am very curious. Did you, did you have access to different tools within yourself? Um, can you just share a little bit about what happened and how maybe you used some of your own wisdom to, to get through it? Yeah, I, I had a massive life crisis in the middle of writing this book. And it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's just coincidence or what, but when I wrote my first book, the day I got the contract sent to me from the publisher, I got a phone call from my son's preschool teacher. He was four at the time. And she was, um, she was actually a retired special education teacher who had opened up a private preschool. And she said, um, I re I've been wanting to tell you this for a couple of weeks, but I think that you should get your son tested for autism. And mm. that started the ball rolling on that. I had kind of always known, but that, that was that crisis that I went through during, during that writing of that book and all of that. And then with this book, you know, how many years later, four, four years later, five years later, I was in the middle of writing it. This was 2016 and my manuscript was due to my editor on December 31st of 2016. And I was completely like, I am, I mean, come on, I'm an overachiever and I like control. So I'm always on time. Uh, like, 
I was listening to a writing podcast and they were talking about like that it's actually the norm that writers turn in their manuscripts late. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> it's not my experience. Dear God, no. I'm always on time. So I was on task. And at the end of September, we had just gotten back from a family vacation and my stepmom called and said that my dad had been ill. Um, there was some anemia and they weren't quite sure what was going on. And, but they suspected leukemia, but they weren't sure. And then a week later, it was confirmed that he had a rare form of leukemia and he had about six months to live. Mm. And I flew home. I had just seen him in June. So it was just a couple months earlier and he was fine. And I went home to see him. I live in North Carolina right now, but I'm from San Diego, which is where my dad was. And, and I knew immediately when I saw him that we did not have six months. Mm. Um, and I stayed for a few days and took care of him. And that was excruciating. I was watching, I was literally watching my father die. And um, my stepmother's health wasn't great at the time. So it was, it was difficult. And then I went home and four days after that, so now we're like in the middle of October, um, I got a call from the hospice people and they said, if you do want to be here when he passes, because I had told them that I did, they said, you should probably fly back like now. And so I remember it was the evening and I had to decide whether or not I was going to get on a plane the next day. And I, there was a part of me that didn't want to go. And I, you know, I had, I had just seen him and been with him. And some of my family members were saying, you know, he's not that lucid. And if you decide not to go, try not to feel too bad. You know, you've said everything you need to say to him. So, you know, I'm trying to justify not going. My family members are trying to justify me not going. But there was something inside of me that was like, you have to go. And there's a quote um, that, I, that I quote in the book by Pema Chodron. I'm probably going to misquote her, but um, she says something to the effect of only to which we expose ourselves over and over again to annihilation can that which, in, yeah. which is indestructible be found in us. Mm-hmm. And so I had known that quote many times. I you know, heard it many times and I was always kind of like, really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this whole you know, exposing yourself to annihilation. I know. It doesn't sound exactly. I didn't trust it. You know, I still was kind of like, I don't know if I trust that kind of, like I trust sadness and like boohoo, but grief, like that kind of sorrow, Mm. I don't know. And I went, I got on a plane and I went and I was with my dad when he took his last breaths and it was just he and I, and um, it was excruciating. You know, I don't have any other words for it. It was, Mm -hmm. it was terrible. And, um, I got, I went home and then had to finish this self-help book, you know, and I'm like, what am I going to do? So I spent a month not writing and I got a little bit of an extension from my editor, but for the most part, I had to figure out how I was going to cope. And I, I write about this in the book. Like I did go back to some of my old behaviors. I numbed out with spending. I isolated myself for, for several days and just didn't want to talk to anybody. But the, the difference is, Tara, that like I knew I was doing it. And I knew, here's the biggest part. I trusted that I was going to be okay on the other end. Mm. The old me did not trust that. So I would just cling to all these behaviors and you know, over-function and overwork and shut people out and, um, and do all these things that I thought were protecting me, but they never end up protecting us. They just make us feel worse and pull us away from the person that we want to be. And so it was this huge test from the universe and, um, and I survived and it was excruciating, but it taught me a lot. Mm. Well, I, I'm really sorry that you had to have that experience with your dad. And 
I also am so grateful that you're able to translate it in this way um, because I, I think that so many women need to hear, I mean, humans in general, but particularly women. Mm -hmm. um, we really need to hear this message of trust amidst imperfection. Um, that that that's what we're working for. We're not working to eliminate all of these habits. We're working toward awareness of them and then toward trust that we'll be okay even when we see them show up or even yeah. when we aren't quote unquote strong enough to prevent them from happening. Um, and I just, I really love that. So obviously you got the manuscript in. Mm -hmm. Was it on time? <laughs> it was three weeks late. She gave me um, a three week extension and wow. to which I think I turned it in a day early from that, but I took an entire month off. And I asked for six months of an extension, and that was a no. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you if you don't ask, you know, the answer is always going to be no, right? So totally it true. was. Um, I did it, you know. And I'm lucky for me. I'm really good with time management. I think it's just one of a skill that I was just born with, and control. I just <laughs> I like being in control. But I did it, and I I did go back and edit some of the chapters. I mean, I talked about it in the numbing chapter, and the very last chapter, I talk about my dad's death and. It just is one of those things where um, I was really put to the test also in terms of my addiction. I have six years of sobriety from alcohol and I thought about drinking, you know, and I, I could have, it could have, it was during the day. It was, nobody was home. I could have gone to the grocery store and got a bottle of wine and changed the way I felt because that's what we want to do when we're having those kind of hard feelings. We want to change the way we feel and that's why we drink or eat or do all these things that we were trying to change our state. Mm -hmm. And I knew that's what I was thinking about. And so I reached out to a couple of friends, which is always vulnerable and scary. And mm -hmm. they talked me off the ledge and I, I made it. Yeah. So, so that's a fantastic point. Um, you could have turned to drinking, mm -hmm. which is something that you've already kind of conquered in your life or, or continuing to conquer. Yeah. Um, and that was in an effort to change the way that you feel. And I, I love that you brought up, Sometimes we have to do something to change the way that we feel. We don't want to do the destructive behaviors. Um, I love that you mentioned that you called some friends. So one of the things that you do in this book is that we are bringing awareness to all of these habits, but then you also offer um, kind of tools and solutions um, for dealing with them more effectively. Mm -hmm. So besides calling friends, what are some of the solutions that you offer to to the different habits in this book that people could make use of right away. And by the way, everybody, I suggest that if you haven't already, or if you didn't even know that this book landed, go get it. It will, you will resonate with every single page in some way. Thank Either you. Recognize these habits and, and struggles for yourself, or you recognize them in other people. And in that case, give them the book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a great gift. Yeah. yeah. So what, what are some of the other solutions that you recommend um, in the book to dealing with some of these habits in a more effective way? I think that ultimately it's, you know, again, awareness is, is the biggest one. And then, you know, we just talked about reaching out to people. I call them your compassionate witnesses, the people who, um, as, as Brene Brown says, the people who have earned the right to hear your story. And I think another one is, is to, and it's the entire last chapter of the book, is to know what your values are. And more importantly than that is know what they look like in your day-to-day -day life. I care less about what the names of your values are, and I care more about what they look like when you are faced with a crisis, when you, know, when you lose your job, when you um, are faced with sexual harassment at work and it's, it's safer just to say nothing, but you really know that you want to say something. You know, when kind of sh shit hits the fan in your life, what, what is it, what is, you know, if you tell me that your values are, 
um, honesty and integrity or courage or faith and spirituality, that's great. And so what, what does that actually look like when things get really hard, when you have lost your way? And even in just your everyday life too, but, but I care more about when things get really tough and when we are called upon to do hard things. Because for most of us, it's the easy way to people please and to you know, rely on perfectionism and to overachieve and to overfunction. And, and you know, one of the chapters of my book is being strong, the identity of being strong, you know, just muscle through it. You don't reach that's out to anybody my, if you can do it on your own. That's one of my top three. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Sure. I, that was one of my favorite chapters to write because I feel so strongly about that topic. Like, oh my gosh. Yep. Just work harder till you've got nothing left and then you can't even hold yourself accountable for not getting more done. Smile <laughs> while you're doing it too yep. because we don't want to hear you complaining. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We don't even want to hear ourselves complaining when that's one of our habits. Right. Oh, but I think, God. yeah, just I, it's values in action is what it's also known as. And just, and values is one of those things too, where people are like values, isn't that something we did in that corporate training in 1999? And <laughs> yeah, probably. But I think that it's one of those foundational pieces of, of personal development that I think gets overlooked a lot and it needs to be foundational. Mm-hmm. And it also gives us a, a sort of a retargeting ability instead of like dipping further into the habit once we once we notice that we're kind of being preyed on by one of these mm-hmm. we can turn around and say oh actually here's a positive target that I can work toward you know if i if i don't know how to fix the situation that i'm in i can either turn to a habit or i can turn to one of my values and honor that and yeah. i i love that sort of retargeting aspect so that that makes it really like rubber hits the road usable yeah. um, everything in this book. And I know that we are closing in on the end of our interview and I'm so appreciative of having you here with us today. And while people are waiting for their books to arrive, what is the like number one little nugget or piece of advice that you would share with our audience, which as a reminder is mostly sort of entrepreneurial, uh, creative thinking, you know, badass yeah. moms. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, just one. If you want to class this with more than one, go for it. But. Well, I always, I always answer this question like intuitively and it's, it's typically never the same depending on, on what day it is. But, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot for creative entrepreneurial women is the imposter complex and not claiming your accomplishments and your talents. And I would start there. I love to give women the assignment of, really just even just making a list of your accomplishments and 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 it's like just the facts of of you know period not i um i started a business and you know but the market was it was the beginning of the market and and um you know it wasn't saturated yet it's like no just just i started a business and mm-hmm. you know or i birthed a baby or i i created um a beautiful piece of art that that people love and, and just embrace what you have done. I think we're so quick to either chalk it up to luck or, you know, the industry or, you know, perfect timing or somebody helped me or all of this other bullshit. Like what if we just, (laughs) what if we just did it and claimed it and embraced it? You know, I, I have a podcast episode where I, um, it's like an ode to Chacha de Gregorio from the movie Grease. And I love her so much because she just encompasses what it is like to embrace 
your talents. Like she meets people for the first time and tells them that she is the best dancer at St. Bernadette's. Like <laughs> she, she wins the hand jive dance contest and snatches the trophy out of the teacher's hand and is like waving it all around. I remember being a little girl and just like watching it like, oh my God, who is that? And then when you ask people about it, people are like, ew, nobody likes cha-cha. And I'm like, I love cha-cha. <laughs> well, we can yeah. all just have an ounce of cha-cha's confidence and, and just the way she embraces her talents. I think the world would change. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I love the concept that, you know, accepting your own awesomeness or beauty doesn't detract from the beauty of anyone around you. And as a matter of fact, it does the opposite. When I okay. see someone that really truly embraces, like you, for instance, it gives me permission to actually live a little bit more into who I know I am as well. You know, if, if everybody's yeah, like, good. yeah, if everybody's walking around sort of, you know, worried that they're going to make someone else feel bad because they feel good, then nobody ever gets to feel good. Right. Exactly. And we'll all feel like shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we don't, we don't want that. You even wrote a book about it. <laughs> Nobody wants to feel like shit. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you said that. I, I absolutely agree with you that, that when we shine, we give other women permission to shine. Yes, totally. And thank you for doing that today. I really appreciate you coming and sharing a little bit of that light with me and with our audience. It was such a pleasure for me to get to talk to you. Um, is there anything else that you want to share in closing? Yeah. For anyone that has a copy of the book, whether it is in paperback or audiobook or e-reader, there's a free book club that I'm hosting. It starts January 22nd and it's all online. It's four weeks long, to all, totally free. All you need to do is have a copy of the book because honestly, it will not make any sense if you are in there and you haven't read it, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm guiding people chapter by chapter and I'm answering questions and it's going to be just a really amazing supportive group of women. There's already a few hundred that are waiting for me to open the doors to the Facebook group. So that link is yourkickasslife.com slash H-T-S-F-L-S, which is simply an acronym for how to stop feeling like shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And what an awesome idea that is to have like a live book club. So if this airs on the 22nd, we'll, we'll, Listeners still have a chance to jump yeah, in? Yeah, they can. They can get in even just a few days late. I will eventually close down the group just because I don't, I don't like people to feel like they're so behind. That makes people feel worse. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the meantime, I'll, I'll throw out a bunch of like um, nuggets for all of our listeners so that they can jump on board, hopefully even before the episode drops. But, oh, thank you. Um, that, that would be fantastic. And thank you again so much, Andrea. All of the ways that you need to reach Andrea and where you can buy her book and everything will be in the show notes for everyone. And also check out her podcast because we didn't actually mention that a heck of a lot, but it's really, really, really good. And if you resonate with creating wealth and wellness and our message, you'll absolutely get a lot out of Andrea's podcast as well. Oh, so, thank you so much. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your snow day. I will. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for another episode. If you haven't already done so, please do us the honor of leaving a rating and review on iTunes and check in with us on social. Amanda Kingsley is a work-from-home mother of three. Her mission is to empower others to live fuller lives. Learn more about her at her website, amandastarkingsley.com. Tara Misseldine is a passionate entrepreneur founding several businesses over the last 15 years. She's currently living the adventure of being a CEO, mom, and collaborative coach. Find her at allin.org.